Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. This is Hugh Ballou for a really different episode today on the Nonprofit Exchange. I'm the founder and president of CenterVision Leadership Foundation, where leaders create synergy by being very clear with their vision. But you know, the burnout rate with nonprofit leaders is very high and it's even higher with clergy. So self-care is really important. And so my guest today is Deb Creer. And Deb's topic, um, it's, you know, you might think it doesn't relate to you, but come on. Um, it, it, you know, we all need to take care of ourselves. Life is the only thing that can defeat cancer. So Deb, tell people a, a little bit about your background and your passion for this work. And thank you for being here. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for having me as a guest. We're going to have such a fun discussion. So my background is in 2015, diagnosed with breast cancer. If it could go wrong, it did. Um, you know, and, and so I was one of those where it was entertaining, you know, we, we, it just, everything went wrong. Um, but I was not going to let it defeat me. I made sure that I was the one in charge and I surrounded myself with the right people. And I think that's one of the things that as leaders, we need to always do. We don't need the yes men and the yes women, right? We need all the right people around us, whether it's your medical team, your friends, your caregivers, all of those, um, you know, when, when you're facing something like cancer, we have to have the right people around us um, because that's, that's the big part. And, and of course, one of the biggest things, and I learned this many years ago because I actually worked for an oncologist, right? I worked for an oncologist and for the American Cancer Society and I get cancer. And so I told people, I said, yeah, I know just enough to really be dangerous. Um, but the oncologist that I worked for had had said, it is all in here. It is in your mind. It is your mindset as to how you are going to get through this. And so it's funny. One of the things that I talk about is the I'm fine syndrome. And, you know, how many times do we say, Hugh, how are you doing today? And you say, I'm fine always, right? And part of it is we think people don't want to hear us complain. We think people don't want to have us ask for help. We, any of those things. When I'm talking to my doctors, you know, I, they're going to say, Deb, how are you doing today? I'm fine. That could mean anything from I'm ready to run a marathon to I'm going to keel over dead, but we're just going to, I'm fine. And so a lot of this, and, and as a leader in particular, it is so important to be honest with those who are around you. You mentioned burnout. Burnout happens because we are not honest with the people around us. And, and that is just so important that when somebody says, how you doing? Now you don't have to collapse in a puddle of tears, but you can say, you know, it's been a rough day. I, I need help with this project or you know things like that. Well, you know, top of my list, or leadership traits is authenticity. Mm -hmm. you know, under that's honesty. Under that is um, right. vulnerability, transparency. Mm -hmm. Right. None of those are wimpy. Those are just being straightforward. Right. And and I find with 
any sector. I work with leaders in multinational corporations, <laughs> startup <laughs> entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, clergy, all kinds of people. And one of the consistent things I find is what psychiatrist Murray Bowen called over-functioning. Mm-hmm. Part of what we do is we create our own stress by over-functioning. Right. And we set up problems that then mm-hmm. cause our stress. So I've noticed throughout my, my, my career of doing this for 35 years um, that the people who I've seen get sick many times mm-hmm. have some stress-related issues. Right. I don't think that's a slam dunk, but I just noticed that there's a consistency. So is mm-hmm. it possible that we, we compromise our immune system with stress? Oh, we definitely do. Um, you know, because a big part of it, especially if you're the leader, um, is you don't get enough sleep. You probably don't eat well. You don't go to the doctor, you know, check up. I can't do, I can't do a checkup because I can't miss my one o'clock meeting. Um, you know, and, and, and we do have the weight of at least that organization on our shoulders. And so that, you know, kind of that stomach acid, all that's just always churning. Our blood pressure goes up, all of these things. And again, somebody says, Hi, I'm fine. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting. One of the things that, that we have discovered in the work that I've been doing is that the higher the level of position, the more unlikely it is that somebody will say, hey, I've, there's something going on. I've got cancer because they don't want their employees to think they're weak or that they can't do their job or all of those things. And so they don't tell anybody. And of course, when you're going through any type of serious illness, you need the support of everybody around you. You don't need to be saying, nope, nope, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, that's just being honest with yourself too. Mm-hmm. Right. It's okay to say I need help today. Well, in one of the um, myths of nonprofit, we start with the word nonprofit, which puts us into the scarcity. Right. Of Nonprofits are not no profit. <laughs> Got it. It's, <laughs> you can call it proceeds if you want, if you don't feel mm-hmm. that word, but really it's a business. It's a for purpose business, but you yes. got to mm-hmm. revenue to be able mm-hmm. to pay people and do your work. And mm-hmm. so we start with this word nonprofit, which we understand mm-hmm. that's the sector, mm-hmm. um, but that puts us in the scarcity mindset, which then we have to do it all because we don't think we can pay people. Right. So that's part of the setup, isn't it? That we have to do too say we have to do too much but in fact we're robbing a volunteer of a chance to serve definitely and especially in a nonprofit world because there are so many people who want to help they want to give of their time their knowledge their energy and yeah their money um but yeah when when we're trying to do it all ourselves and not allowing them to serve we are doing them a disservice Yes. So you've, um, go back to your oncologist, mm-hmm. that conversation. Mm-hmm. And that was an important statement. What did he say about your, your life and your attitude? What did he say about uh, he, I guess he or she? Was said, it he? Yeah. You know, he said that 99% of it is all in your head. You know, and, and basically what he was saying was, if you think cancer is going to kill you, cancer is going to kill you. If you think I'm going to be able to do what I need to be able to do, then, you know, that's going to be there too. Was he saying, I'm going, you know, if you, you can, you can will yourself into being better. Eh, 
<laughs> you, know, you still probably needed chemo and drugs and, you know, all of the surgery, all of that stuff. But if you go in, more than importantly, he was saying, excuse me, if you go into it with the negative attitude, it's not going to matter what they did from a medical standpoint. That's profound. And I don't know how many um, MDs have that perspective, but I would say that he probably stands out from the crowd. He did, you know, and, and unfortunately he has passed because that was a job I had a really long time ago, <laughs> but you know, it was, he really was, he was very profound and I loved working for him. Um, it was interesting when I was diagnosed, I seriously considered we, you know, we are in Atlanta and he's back, it was back in Denver. I gave serious consideration to going back because I wanted him to treat me. And that was when I found out he was at that point, he was just no longer practicing. He retired. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, he just, I mean, that was over 30 years ago that he had that much of an impact on me. Well, it's sort of a holistic, holistic view. So, um, why is it critical for you, the patient, um, that you're in charge? It's a, Part of that is because we just need to feel like we are in control. And when we're told we have cancer or you have Parkinson's or you have ALS or, you know, something catastrophic, the first thing that happens is you feel out of control. You know, cancer is now in charge. And so sometimes we think, well, it doesn't matter what we do because cancer is going to win. That's back to that mental attitude. And so one of the first things I did, so I, I, I did not have a lump or a bump or anything like that. My mammogram showed that I had microcalcifications. Doesn't that sound like a fancy name, right? Um, and so I you know, did my research, discovered that many women have those. It's just something that happens as we get older. Um, and, but in some cases, it does turn into cancer. And unfortunately, mine did. But my doctors kept telling me that I had artifacts. And so what do I do? I name it Artie. And so then we had something that everybody could focus on. We were going to get rid of Artie. And so that was back, you know, being back in control. Um, your friends, your family, your doctors are all going to say, we think you should do this. Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine from Colorado was diagnosed about the same point in time. And she decided she did not want chemo and all of the nasty things. And she was told, nope, you, you know, that's, that's really bad, you know, and, and she's still with us. You know, this was, was eight years ago. And she made that decision that she was going to go the way she wanted to go and the way that she felt best with proceeding. Has she second guessed herself? Probably, you know, and, and all sorts of, you know, we all do. <laughs> Should we have had that surgery? Should we, you know, should we have eaten that, you know, that drink, um, eaten that drink? That didn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> should we have, uh, have eaten, you know, that, that thing? And, and, and I actually had people who told me that because I drank tap water, that was why I got cancer. And I looked at him and I said, no, don't think so. Um, you know, and, and sometimes things just happen. You know, it's, it's like the old saying, bad things happen to good people. Well, I'd like to think I'm a good person. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, we, we want to be back in control. And I think that's where as a leader of an organization, you know, they always want to feel in control. And, uh, I, you know, one of the things that is, I think the hardest for many leaders to do is that word delegate. Mm 
Oh. You know, oh. Right? Right? Yeah. Because then they think they're not in control, but they still are. But they're, it's, it's kind of like allowing that good volunteer to do what they're doing. You know, when you delegate to an employee or a volunteer and let them shine, you're serving everyone. So go back to that. You're spot on to what we preach at Center Vision. Now, delegation um, has to be learned. Uh -huh. Not go do that. It's right. do that. And here's what it looks like when you're uh -huh. done. Uh -huh. And we forget that second part. We don't describe, uh -huh. you know, we don't define performance expectations. Right. And I think board members need a position description, uh -huh. volunteers. They've got a job, whether we're paying them or not. And actually, the people that volunteer and have a passion for it are really, they're bought in at a high level because that's their passion. So talk about delegation a little more. That's that's one of the over-functioning. When we don't delegate, we're creating problems, which cause more stress for everybody. Right, right. You know, and we have our staff and our volunteers as part of our organizations because they are good at what they do. You know, we wouldn't have them involved if they weren't going to contribute in a good way. So why not take advantage of that? Um, you know, I'm, I'm from Denver. And so, you know, I talk a lot of sports out there. You know, John Elway, Peyton Manning. Yeah, just, just, you know, those little football names. They knew that they could not do everything. You know, they had to have the best receivers. They had to have the best O-line. They had to have the best defense. They had to have the best in order for them to be the best and for the Broncos to be the best. And, you know, we, the, the problem is when we see companies, whether it's a nonprofit or a for-profit, where the leader, and it, you know, might actually be the leader of the company, maybe it's just a department head. They think that they have to be the best and everything has to make them look the best in order for it to be successful. And it's, that's not true. You know, you want everybody, you want to raise everyone up. Um, because when we raise everyone up, it's the, the old thing, you know, that the, the, the entire boat will rise up as opposed to, um, you know, we, it, it not doing that. So you want to have the best people around you and let them be the best and do the best work that they can possibly do. And we're a mentor, not a micromanager. Right. Right. 180 degree difference. Just mm -hmm. a set. So um, let's go back to the title. Um, mm -hmm. uh, why is living the only cure for cancer? Explain that. Unpack that a little bit for us. Okay. Well, I actually started a movement. It's called trying not to die dot live. And this is, you know, under the premise that when we get so sick, um, whether it's a cancer diagnosis, whether it's, it's whatever, and maybe it's, you know, just being you, we get so focused on trying to not die that we forget that we have to live. And when we live, I don't care if it's 10 minutes, 10 years, 40, 50 years, when we are living and living our life on our terms, then everything else goes by the wayside. Um, you know, we have truly won whatever that battle is. You know, I've now been diagnosed with my third, third type of cancer. Like, really? Seriously? Um, and, you know, and, and with the third one, I was like, well, this is rude. And and I, you know, did what I was supposed to do. <laughs> Luckily, you know, wasn't going to be a big deal. But I took control. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do it now. 
And, you know, and, and I, because I'm going to get back to my life, I am not going to let this be the thing that takes me down. What did that have to do with drinking tap water? <laughs> well, it's in my throat. I, I actually have thyroid cancer. So maybe it was, maybe it was tap water. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, you have behind you uh, on the wall, something says grateful. Talk about that. Yeah. It really is something that even on the worst of times, the worst of days, we do need to find what we can be grateful for. Um, you know, when I found out that I had thyroid cancer and had to have surgery again, I was able to have what I think is the absolute best surgeon in the world. He's done several surgeries for me. He was able to do my surgery. And, and you know, I was not happy. I was upset, you know, all of these various things. But I was so grateful that he was there and he was able to, to help take care of me. Um, I, you know, I, I took him a little card later that uh, said, you know, thank you for taking care of me. Um, and, you know, and, and I think part of it, too, is sharing that gratitude. I told him I was grateful. How many times are doctors told that? Um, I had an appointment today with a different doctor and, and I told her that and I thought she was going to cry. She said, I've had a really bad morning. I'm running late because we just had to take a patient to the hospital. And she said, thank you. Thank you for making me remember why I'm doing this. That is such a strong principle. Now, you talked about um, trying not to die. That's also mm -hmm. your website. Yes, try, mm -hmm. trying not to die dot live. That's not me. That's not ever been me. <laughs> So people listening won't see that, but you can go trying not to die, trying not to die dot L-I-V-E. Yep. That's the website. And what will they find when they get there? Oh, you know, I, the, the goal of it is that it's inspirational. We do have resources on there for various things, um, you know, and, and it is to show that we are the people who are in charge. We are the warriors. Um, you know, it says on the website and it says this on every page that, you know, and, and someone told me this not long um, after I was diagnosed, they said, you know, fate says to the warrior, excuse me, you cannot withstand the storm. And the warrior responds, I am the storm. Um, you know, but it's it's about as being that, that warrior pulling your tribe together. You are not alone. You don't have to be alone. Um, you know, and, and so that's where this is is so important is to bring people together. We do have a link on there to our private Facebook group. I encourage anyone who's on Facebook to um, go to that the link. And um, even if you're not dealing with cancer in any way, yeah, we have fun there. We had someone post last week. I love this. I thought this was one of the best things. This is why we do this. She posted, had my scan, all is clear, right? There is nothing better than that. Um, you know, and, and, but we also have people posting and saying, lost the battle, you know, lost my husband. And so then it's a place of support, whether people know you, you know, or just know you from the Facebook page, they're going to give support. And, and so that's the, the whole premise is, you know, how can we help each other and how can we build our tribes in order to get through this, whatever it is, um, how can we do that? You've split out um, uh, live or live mm -hmm. 
the, the acronym lead invigorate mm -hmm. voice and elevate would you share those with them if people listening can't see it but sure. it's on the website but tell us about that acronym well, and the funny thing is, I don't know them off the top of my head. So let's see if I can can look at them. I might have to just lean in close to my computer. So here we go. So it is an acronym. Oh, hey, my computer's back. So I don't have to lean in. I love this. Don't you love technology? So lead your tribe. From family to physicians, you must lead your coalition. Invigorate your soul. Put yourself first as if your life is on the line. Voice your feelings across a bridge of honesty for only the truth is actionable and elevate your mindset with the belief that you will indeed be fine no matter what the results are. It's a really, really beautiful website. I haven't seen one quite like it. So people just to go there to see that, but there's so many very helpful resources there. Mm -hmm. It's um, learn not to die. There's two T's right. there. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Trying not, not to not to die. Dot uh -huh. live. I'm sorry, I made that up. That's all right. <laughs> to die. Dot live. L I V E. And mm -hmm. that is such a powerful. So you know, we give energy to what we think about. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's such a mm -hmm. strong. So I guess Napoleon Hill. Isolated that when he interviewed all those uh -huh. leaders, that they had a positive mental uh -huh. right well and you know people will tell me that I'm always so happy and always so upbeat no I'm not you know am I most of the time yes but you know I've had multiple complications I have had over 30 surgical procedures I was initially diagnosed at stage zero and then several months later it was modified to stage four stage four is not curable you know, I will always have this and, and always have that threat that it's going to come back. Um, and then, of course, I had the two other cancer diagnoses, which we ignore because they really weren't a big deal. But, um, you know, and, and so just all of these things. And, and if it could go wrong, it did, which is why I had to have so many surgical procedures. But, you know, and, and so are there times where I'm not happy camper? Sure. You know, it, it's just part of being alive. But the, the point is, don't stay there. Have that pity party, feel sorry for yourself, and then pick yourself up and move on. Wow. That is, I'm just going to think about that a minute. You know, your acronym, your website, all of this energy field that you've created is inspiration. And, you know, sometime we are going to have an issue or somebody in our team or a family is going to have an issue in having this tribe around you giving support um we are doing very difficult work in the field it's the tougher it's the toughest times right. for clergy mm -hmm. and private leaders we're stressed mm -hmm. there's a lot to do and we need to unleash ourselves so we can really get right. so what's a we have had the, the whole time has gone by is just i know just flies <laughs> so what thought would you like to leave people with today you know, it, it really is that you are the warrior and you are in charge, but you have to have the people around you to build your tribe to really go forward. And it doesn't matter if it's that you're the, the business owner, having the best employees, the best volunteers, all of that, or, you know, dealing with an illness. 
we have to have the best people around us and allow them to be the best people. The, the speed of the tribe is the speed of the leader. The attitude of the tribe is a reflection of the leader. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Deb Creer, you've been a great inspiration today. Thank you for being our guests on the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you so much. This has been a delight. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.